And you are listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. It's fantastic to have you here joining us as we come into the second hour. It's 8.04 a.m. I look out my window here in Newcastle. I see a bunch of clouds and not much sun, unfortunately. But, hey, we will go into our second last question for the quiz. Our second last opportunity, second last chance to be able to get in before I draw at around 8.45. That question is... Moses fled Egypt after it became known that he had done what? 0491064669 is the number to call or text. If you get that correct, you go into the draw to win our Bible study companion box set, Conflict of the Ages. Amazing commentaries we'll give to you absolutely for free if you win the draw. And you have to be in the draw to win it. And how you get in, you answer these questions correctly. Again, that question was, Moses fled Egypt after it became known that he had done what? 0491-064-669. Okay, heading over to text messages, we find this one in relationship to the rocket that didn't go the other day because one of its engines was too hot. Uh, rocket not sent, better late than sorry. Uh, another text message on the same subject says, number three engine wasn't chill enough. Need to send it on a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Braden, calling out there and naming for sending in such a joke as that one. Um, then there's some more serious text messages. We've got this one that says one mile of solar panels in California. That's a lot of panels. Still can't beat nature. God's ecosystem is perfect. If only humanity would stop destroying it. Mm. And then this one on the Amish religious group, back to Eden, we could learn much from them. Real country living. FDA closed them and fined them $300,000. Welcome to the New World Order. Justice is trampled on the ground. And this is one of the interesting things about this particular group. They were shut down because of their religious beliefs because... and, and because, Well, primarily what it comes down to is the government can't control them. Mm. Uh, the government can't middleman their produce. They were not going through any supermarkets. They were going direct to the public. So they had a basically formed a club. They had about 4,000 customers, a part mm-hmm. of this club, and they were selling direct to the public. And so suddenly it becomes impossible for the government to control, and the government looks at it, and the government's like, you know what, we don't trust you to be able to eat the things that we want you to eat, so we will close this farm down because you are buying direct from the farm. They weren't using any of the pesticides that the government gets taxes off. They weren't using any of the seeds that the government gets taxes off. They weren't getting using any of these kind of things. They weren't using all of the middlemen that the government gets taxes off, and so the government shut them down. I, like this makes my blood boil. Yes. I am so I am so upset on behalf of Amish people. It's like. That is so rough. Well, the thing is, and this is something else that the article points out, is that they are using this farm as an example, and if they can create a precedent here, they can shut the Amish farms down. So this is this is the problem. This is the problem, though, is if you do this. Okay, Amish are also people that won't rely on government welfare. No, that's right. And they have, they have one never industry. Taken, they have never taken government welfare. And, and therefore, if you shut down their only ability to make money... You're basically killing them. Well, yes and no. Because they are probably the one people group in the world that can actually live without currency. Well, in the United States, not the world. In Uh the United States, they can actually live without currency and they can just thumb their nose at the government and go back to subsistence living. (sighs) Yeah. 
They have that. They have that ability. Nobody else knows how to do that. But Amish people actually know how to do that. Yeah, but like I, I well, that's the thing. If they they're like, okay, fine, we'll just go back to doing their own thing. You go from a situation in which this minority people group is included in society to now they're excluded. Yeah. Like so, this just completely flies in the face of anything that you could call diversity or inclusion. Like, isn't that terrible? Isn't that so awful? Like, like a government that that claims to stand for diversity and legislate diversity has now destroyed it. Oh, oh I just... For, for, this is like... This can only be led by money. Like, we know this. Of course. This, this has nothing to do with people. This is just money at the expense of people. Actually, what I saw interesting the other day was an Amish Adventist camp meeting. Yeah, wow. That was pretty wild. It was basically, yeah, you want to be Amish? You want to, you want to live pre-industrial? Fine. Mm. Uh, and keep the Sabbath as well. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a bunch of Amish Adventists. I had Praise a big God. camp meeting, like hundreds of people turned up. Praise God. That's yeah. amazing. It is. So basically, yeah, Amish lifestyle right there. A lot we can learn from the, okay, the Western, the, the Western, and this is the, what these two stories have in common. Mm. The Western Australian Equal Opportunity Act. One is the government tr- doesn't trust you to buy the food that it wants you to buy. This one, the government doesn't trust you to choose the education for your children that you want. Mm. You can only buy government-approved food and you can only buy government-approved education. These are signs of totalitarianism. Mm. And we have seen this in socialist uh, governments around the world over the last 120 years or so. This is These are the hallmarks of socialism. Mm. Uh, the Western Australian Equal Opportunity Act, not very equal. These laws are made to destroy religious beliefs. How do these laws get through? Well, the answer is very simple. We don't have any legal protection for religious liberty in this country. Simple. It's planned by godless people who hate Christ. Judgment is coming, so they think they can start a war with God and win. Perfect example of foolishness. Okay, interesting enough, one of the books I am reading is titled Truth Triumphant, The Church in the Wilderness by George Wilkinson. If you want to know the truth about the early Christian church, this is the book to read, talking about Genghis Khan. Some of his family members were Christians. Oh, wow. Specifically his daughter-in-law, who was the mother to the great Khans. Much to my surprise, he believed in religious liberty as long as you don't cause any trouble, as he ruled much of the world. Many Nestorian, Nestorian Christians were in high positions in his kingdom. Yeah, that's absolutely a fact right there. And it's fascinating to see the... Uh, the the religious liberty that Genghis Khan created while he burnt the world down. Yeah, well, it was it's a pretty wild kind of history. The history of the Mongol Empire, the largest empire, by the way, that our world has ever seen. Mm. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that the world. You know, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, the Roman Empire. No, it was the Mongol Empire. Mm. It was the largest empire our world has ever seen. Um. Fascinating history. Can't wait to hear part two of it next month. All right. Today, Mm -hmm. Bible study time. Mm -hmm. We are going to be talking about slavery. Oh, that's an interesting topic. Yes. Mm -hmm. Slavery. Being a slave, would that place you in the crucible? Yes. Yes, it would. Uh Uh-huh. So if you were a slave in the first century, what should you do? This is the question. Mm. Should you march in the streets and demand equal rights? Mm. 
Could you do that? And if it's not a bad thing, and I don't think it's a bad thing to do so. Mm. Absolutely, I think slavery is one of the most horrific things that our world has ever seen. Mm. Uh, But we go back to the first century. Do you have that opportunity? Mm. And if you don't have that opportunity, what do you do? Mm. Okay, so we're going to read in 1 Peter chapter 2. See what the Bible has to say over here. First Peter chapter two, and we're going to read verse eighteen to twenty-five. First Peter chapter two, eighteen to twenty-five. As I find it on the page, the Bible says, "For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and the ransom He paid was not in mere gold or silver; it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, I like this. I like this Lamb of God. I love what you're reading. God chose him as your ransom. Wait, I'm in First Peter. Yes, chapter one, chapter two. Oh, <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm loving what you are reading. <laughs> I start listening to it and thinking, you know, God, God paid a ransom for your meaningless lives. Mm. I'm thinking this fits so well to <laughs> Peter when he is speaking to somebody who is in slavery. Mm. You know, God has paid it. You, 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 yes, your life is a meaningless life because you are a slave, but God paid a ransom for you because God sees your value and God wants to spend eternity with you. Mm. And so your life is not meaningless. You might feel like it's meaningless, like you're a meaningless slave. It is not. Mm. It is not in verse 20, actually. It says, God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. How would, how would a slave feel thinking that God has paid your ransom? Wow. Paid the money to buy you back and give you your freedom. Mm. However, those are not the verses we were supposed to. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Yes. So, I mean, you're reading those verses there. I'm sitting there thinking, this is awesome. <laughs> but sooner or later, it's going to probably not line up with our Bible study. <laughs> but right now... It really is. It's powerful. Well, we could say that this is very much the preamble to what's coming. It is. Mm. Yes. Because Peter is going to directly address people who are enslaved. Mm. Why do you think... I mean, this is kind of a weird thing to write about. Why do you think that Peter does this? Because many people were enslaved. Yeah. Like, you had an incredibly high rate of slavery. That's right. And particularly amongst the slave classes. Like half of the world was slaves. Yeah. And Christianity was spreading. Amongst slaves. Mm. Amongst slaves and peasants and people in these positions. So, of course, he needs to address slaves. Absolutely. It continues on. Yes. In verse 18 of chapter 2. Chapter 2. The Bible says, You who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried out 
our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who had wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Okay. All right. So there we go. We've got our correct uh, verses right there. Just looked it up while you were reading that. Around about 20% of the population uh, at this particular time were slaves. Mm. So there's somewhere between 5 and 10 million people in the Roman Empire mm. that were slaves. So this is not something that was kind of unusual. It was not something that was hidden. It wasn't something that was, you know, people working in sweatshops or brothels somewhere that had been enslaved. This was just society. Mm. And this was the way that society was for thousands of years before and thousands of years afterwards. Mm. It has only been in the last 200 years that this has not been the norm in society, mm. that people haven't been buying and selling other human beings. And, of course, the, ch- the change has been brought about by the spread of Christianity around the world. Mm. The age of missions was what really brought the end of slavery, brought about the end of slavery. Mm. And, the, uh, and, and, and so we've got the... The whole, you know, uh, we've got the whole world changing in mm. recent times. And so our recent history, which is against slavery, is actually an aberration of history. And if history were to continue for another 2,000 years, slavery would come back somewhere in the near future and uh, we would then have another couple of thousand years of slavery until it sort of disappeared for a brief moment again. Mm. Because that's the house history cycles through. History is a cycle. And we can see that when we look back into the past. But here in verse 18, where it says, you know, and it's pretty wild, uh, verse 18, Slaves, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. The forward. Mm. So why does Peter say that? Why doesn't Peter just say, Escape. Mm. We have an underground railroad. Let me hook you up. Yeah. And this this like passage, you know, people have quoted this and, and said, oh, this shows that the Bible is pro-slavery. So we need to throw no. it out of, of schools and all this stuff. Like, you know, we need to get rid of the Bible because it's pro-slavery because of this passage. People who have never read the Bible would say, something would say like that. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're the only people who would say that. Correct. Uh, because... Either that or people who have read the Bible a very, very long time ago. Mm. They're like, oh, yeah, I remember reading something about slavery. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then read this passage on its own without any kind of context and without any kind of understanding of the Bible. Mm. And uh, they're the only kind of people that would ever say that. Mm. But it is, it was used definitely in to, the United States. To justify slavery. Yeah. And in Great Britain, in the British Empire. Yeah. Both in the British Empire nice. and in the United States, it was used to justify slavery because it was, or they wanted to have a theological basis for it because Christianity, you know, Protestantism specifically, and it was really was the rise of Protestantism that brought about this anti-slavery movement uh, because, you know, so many Protestants, of course, were being sold into slavery by the Catholic Church and sent to the, you know, to the to the uh, rowing ships or whatever it might be, uh, and and so these were the guys who were really standing up against it, and so it became a theological issue. Mm. So, but that being said, yes. like is is this passage anti, like all pro slavery? And I'd say no. I think this passage is ultimately communicating. It's it's very much a reflection of of the 
the situation that they're in at the time. Um, but it's think about it like this. So why didn't Peter raise a slave rebellion? Because what's more valuable? What's more valuable um, in in the kingdom of heaven? Like in the eyes of God, what's more valuable? Being a slave who has the ability to lead people to Christ or being a free man who just runs all the time. It's a really, really important point right there. Like, uh, okay, let's, let's, let's start a slave rebellion, all right? Sure. Let's overthrow the bourgeoisie. Let's, let's, like, if you started a big enough slave rebellion, you could do some significant damage and maybe break the chains of slavery. Yes. Um, like, and which we, like, we both believe slavery is a terrible thing. But will that lead to the furthering of the gospel? Okay, so let's think of three major examples. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Spartacus. Mm-hmm. What positive did that bring to the world? To be honest, I don't really know the story of Spartacus. Okay, the story of Spartacus was that he was a slave in the Roman Empire mm. um, who raised a slave rebellion and fought the Roman Empire very, very successfully for a long amount of time. Lots of people died. He died. All of his followers died. They all died. Yeah. That's the story of Spartacus. Everyone died. Everyone died. Yeah. And the Roman Empire became weak. Mm. Uh, let's look at another example then of Haiti. Mm-hmm. Haiti is the only successful slave rebellion in modern times. Mm-hmm. The nation of Haiti, would you like to live there today? No. No. Would you have liked to live there any time during its history since it ceased to be a slave state? No. And I wouldn't like to have lived there when it was a slave state either. No. 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 Um, okay, let's think about, you mentioned the bourgeoisie, and which brings, you know... Which which brings to mind the rise of communism, yeah. where there wasn't so much slaves, although many of them were, but they kind of were slaves. It was it was the overthrow of the upper class to the lower class. It was still yes. like a classist war, which is like slave to masters. That's right, same kind of deal. And what did that do that was positive for the gospel? Literally nothing. What did Haiti do that was positive for the gospel? Nothing. What did Spartacus do that was positive for the gospel? Nothing. All of these have one thing in common. Mm-hmm. Lots of people died. Mm. And so Satan loved it. Satan was rejoicing because all these people were dying without opportunity of coming to Jesus Christ. Yeah. I think, though, it's like, okay, but what about the American African-American slave trade? It wasn't a slave rebellion. That's right. That's so true. It was Christianity who stood up and said, this is morally wrong. Mm. And this is why Peter is not raising a slave rebellion here. Mm. Peter is saying, live a good moral life. Yes. And one of the things that one of the things that made a radical change in the United States was that slaves became Christians and lived a moral life and people started to see that these slaves were living moral lives and that they were human beings who were moral human beings even mm. though they had been told otherwise. Mm. And they're like, no, if they can be Christians, if they can give their lives to Jesus, if they can be saved, if they can live moral lives, then they are of equal value to the rest of us and we need to get rid of slavery. That's a narrative that has run throughout a lot of colonization, you know, and uh, like I think particularly like people coming to Australia and seeing Aboriginals and seeing them as like uncivilized and like, oh, you know, then we can slave, like put them in slavery or, you know, run them out or whatever, but then seeing like, such a large amount of Aboriginals coming to Christ, and then you know that founded that then led to the founding of missions. It's like, oh, oh, ooh, suddenly these are people. These are people, yeah. 
which, you know, evolution at the time was saying that they were the most least developed mm. uh, human species. Mm. Uh, whereas Christianity is saying, no, these are actually equal human people like us. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Moving on. Another question for our quiz. Let's All right. The final question. The final opportunity to get in for our Bible study companion set. What of a husband's is not his but belongs to his wife and vice versa? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. If you do, as I said, you will go into the draw to win our Conflict of the Ages set. Incredible commentaries. They go all the way from the from before the beginning of Genesis to after the end of Revelation. But again, that question is, what of a husband's is not his but belongs to his wife and vice versa? 491 64 Six six nine. All right, there you go. So we've been talking about slavery, and we've been talking about why didn't Peter raise a slave rebellion? Why did Peter just tell the slaves to live a moral life? Mm. And the answer is that the only way that the freedom from slavery has ever come about in an effective way and in a lasting way is when slaves have lived a moral life and people have seen them as human beings. Yep. Slave rebellions have never worked. They have just resulted in Everybody dying. That's right. That's such a good point that you made, like people being compelled by like their witness. Yes. To set them free. That's right. Absolutely. So if you look at Spartacus, everyone dies. If you look at Marx, every, 100 million people die. Mm. If you look at Haiti, everybody's still dying. Mm. And that hasn't changed over the last 100 years. Mm. But when people live a moral life, look at the United States, suddenly people go, we need to set them free. Look at the British Empire, suddenly people go, we need to set them free. Mm. And slaves are set free and slavery is gotten rid of. And so this is what Peter is saying here. Peter is actually genius in what he's saying because what he's calling for is actually the end of slavery yeah. because this is the only thing that has ever effectively ended slavery. Oh, wow, this is this is amazing. I, I, I want to take the words that we've just said and just... Put it on blast because, you know, there are so many people who just have such a tainted view of the Bible and they look at passages like this and they accuse the Bible of being pro-slavery and they're like, I don't trust Christians because they're hateful people who want slaves. And look, you know, there are Christians doing there have people, terrible be, people, Christians things. who have done that. Yeah, but no, what the Bible is actually calling for is, well, a total freedom from slavery, not even just slavery to other people, but the slavery of sin. Like, God is trying to reach us and to lead us as being saved. Yes, a text message coming through here says, I admit I think it would be a struggle to me to mentally to be so disciplined as the Amish, but they were all living in harsh times. Um, this one goes here. This one, Braden, uh, says, The argument about the Bible supporting slavery is so weak and shows they haven't read the Bible. If I had to be a slave, I would much prefer to be one under the rules God set out than how the slaves were treated by the rest of the world. To be clear, the Israelites did not always follow God's rules in this respect, and yeah. then not following God's rules is why they are no longer a powerful kingdom. Very relevant point raised right there. Mm. Uh, then we've got this one. Um, slavery will make a comeback specifically for true Christians in these last days, and I think that should be slavery in uh, the secular Western world because... 
that's where you see probably the least amount of slavery today. It certainly made a comeback in places like China and so forth. You know, mm. it's very huge there. You've got millions of people who are enslaved in China and we buy their products all the time. So, uh, yeah, interesting interesting text messages coming through. Just to discuss this issue of slavery, and I like what Braden said about, you know, he would much rather be a slave under the biblical principles of slavery. Oh, yeah. Because if you look at the biblical principles of slavery... <laughs> That's a good deal. <laughs> it's a very good deal. It is a very good deal for somebody who has come on hard times. And so they didn't have Social Security where you, if you, you know, ended up in bad circumstances, you simply sat on your backside and got free money handed to you. Mm. That system never existed in the ancient Israelite economy. But when you actually look at the system there that was instituted, it's like, okay, you'll end up on hard times. What you do is you sell yourself as a slave. Mm. That's what the Bible says. Mm. Everyone freaks out of their minds until they actually read what that means. So a slave owned an inherited land. Mm -hmm. That never existed outside of Israel. They had the right to marry a person of their choosing at any time. Never existed outside of Israel. They had equal rights as any other person in a court of law. Certainly never existed outside of Israel. They had the requirement of physical protection uh, from their Sorry, by their employer. So the employer actually had to provide protection for his slaves, mm. you know, if they're being raided and so forth. Mm. They had freedom of movement. By law, they had to receive one day off a week. They had freedom to keep the seven annual fees. So you had one day off a week plus your public holidays and uh, worship days. Uh, they could not be required to work on those days. It was illegal for their owner to slander or disparage them in any way. Mm. No hate speech against your slaves right there. That's a law going back a long time in history, isn't it? Mm. Uh, they were to be considered a part of the extended family. They could be not compelled to work with rigour. That means hard labour. Mm. Uh, you know, no 12-hour days, anything like that. Uh, any debilitating physical injury caused by the owner was caused for immediate emancipation. Now, emancipation came with a whole bunch of benefits as well, so we'll get to that. Uh, their contract could not extend more than six years or past the next jubilee, so they couldn't be a slave for longer than that. And a departing slave had to be given livestock, grain and wine as a final payment, payment and to set them up in independent living. Mm. So basically, if you purchased somebody as a slave, you had them for a maximum of six years, at the end of which you had to set them up in small business, put them back on their feet. This is just, this is a genius system. Mm. It's like, why don't we still have this? No, we don't have this. We just hand out money so they can sit on their backsides and play computer games. This is and like, get, and get depression. This is like, and then we hand them more money to fix their depression. This is a better deal than most people going to university. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> like <laughs> spoken by a university student. This actually student. ties in a little bit with what Sky's comment was too, which you kind of s- skipped over a little bit because she said, "I admit, I think I would struggle mentally to live so disciplined as Amish. I think that you would for a while, but then mm. you would be strengthened mentally." Mm. You know, because living yes. disciplined and all of that sort of thing. Really. Very, very low rates of depression amongst the Amish mm. yes. because of their discipline. That's right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, having that experience in, like, Israelite slavery, it's the same thing. It's like, it, 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 dude, this 
Like I just said, this sounds like an amazing deal. This sounds like a get your life back on track boot camp that you can go and join. Yes. And then it's like a scholarship almost. Oh, and there was another thing too. Uh-huh. There was a there was another law that said if you liked it, you could just stay. You could stay. Yeah. You you were you didn't have to leave at the end of six years. Yeah. What would they if do? You, that, if you liked it like this, ear, okay, this piece your nose. Piece your ear. Um if you liked it, what would happen is that uh, you could say you, you could basically say, "Look, this is a, a very stress-free environment. I've got a good boss. I want to stay here. I'm part of the family now. Um, I have security, and I'm a terrible at small business, so I don't want to go back into that again. I want to. I'll just stay here. Mm. And you could, and you could raise your family. You could go to church, and you could do everything that you know, all of that stuff. Wow. You would be a low-paid subcontractor, mm-hmm. effectively. That is awesome. So people could choose that." So it was such a good system that God had to place a law in place for those who got to the end of their six years and like, no, I don't want to go. I want to stay. <laughs> you know how many how many slaves in outside of Israel had that kind of a law that was associated with it? Mm. Now this was a fantastic system, and uh, it's been very very misunderstood in today's world. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different, guys. We've come to the end, the end of the week, the end of, well, not quite the end of time, but the end of your opportunity to be able to enter into the quiz because it is about to be drawn. We've had a ton of entries this week and a ton of repeat entries, so congratulations to everyone who got into the quiz. Uh, right now, we are going to, I, I guess we're ready to spin the wheel, right, Shell? She's got the thumbs up. We are going to spin the wheel. Okay, it's obviously it's spinning. It's slowing down. And Okay, we have a winner. We will try to get them on the phone before we, whilst we're trying to do that, I'll read you guys some answers for today's quiz. According to Hebrews, what is hidden from God's sight? The answer was nothing or nil. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. Uh, fill in the blank. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. The light of the body is in the eye. Moses fled from Egypt after it became known that he had killed a man. And finally, what of a husband's is not his but belongs to his wife and vice versa? His slash her body. Hey, did we get that person on the phone? We're calling them right now. Don't quite have them on the phone yet, so maybe we should jump into question of the day while we're waiting. Mm, if they answer no, the phone. No, no, we want, to, we want to get them on the phone. <laughs> we want to get them on the phone. Produce a cell, as I soon think she's... as possible. Yeah, we had 100, uh, 110 entries for the quiz this week. Oh, that's fantastic. So, that's absolutely awesome. Great job, really, really well guys. Done, guys. We had a bunch of entries from our top players as well. But, yeah, good job on getting into the quiz and for... The person who won, who we're calling. We haven't been able to get them on the phone. But shout out, Claudia, who is the winner of our quiz this week. We will be sending you the Bible study companion set, Conflict of the Ages. We'll give it to you, as we said, absolutely for free. This is an incredible set of books that will bless you immensely. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, we've got a question coming in from Freco, and Freco asks, did Jesus spend any time with his cousin John the Baptist while growing up? Okay, so the, in- the indication here on-, on this question is that he didn't. 
Mm. So there's some interesting things that we can look at in relationship to this question. First of all, if you go to John chapter 1, verse 31 and 32, the Bible says, And I knew him not that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode or stayed upon him. And so when he says, I knew him not, the indication is here that, no, he didn't recognize Jesus. He didn't realize that his cousin had turned up at this particular point in time. Uh, I, I think it probably didn't take them too long to figure that out and to understand that they, yeah, this was his cousin, and, you know, oh, that's Jesus, okay, I've heard a lot about him. Um, that's John the Baptist, you know, and so forth. I think John the Baptist being the famous one at this particular point, Jesus certainly would have known who John the Baptist was, recognized him and known that he was his cousin, but it seems that they didn't grow up together. In fact, the Bible says that John the Baptist grew up in the wilderness. And so the wilderness of Israel is in the south, whereas Nazareth, where Jesus grows up, is in the north. So they kind of grew up at the opposite ends of the of the of the nation. Uh, so that's about 250 kilometers apart. That's going to take you about 50 hours to walk. So back in the day, people didn't travel like they do today. That's probably, what, a three-hour drive thereabouts. We would say, well, that's not far. Go see your cousin, stay in contact with your family, at least uh, send him a message on Messenger or so forth. But that kind of wasn't how things happened back then. We do have the story of how previous to this, Mary, of course, when she was pregnant with Jesus, went to visit uh, her sister, Elizabeth. And uh, when they were visiting each other, it was John the Baptist was, uh, was, was, was pregnant. John the Baptist, of course, he was a fetus at this particular time. He hadn't been born yet. And the Bible says that he leaped in the womb at the presence of Jesus, who was also in the womb at this particular time. And so the indication is that they were living a lot closer to each other at that time. The Bible says after he was born, he went and lived in the wilderness. And so they were probably living a lot closer to each other when this story took place. A couple of other sort of interesting observations that you can make from this story is that the very first person to recognize Jesus Christ was an unborn fetus. The Bible says that was filled with the Holy Spirit. If you find that in uh, Luke chapter 1, where the Bible says in verse 15, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink neither, neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And, you know, that raises obviously some implications for some of the discussions we have today in relationship to abortion and so forth. If an unborn child can be filled with the Holy Spirit, then that is a person because the Holy Spirit fills person. And if you're a pregnant person right now, my question is this. Do you pray that your unborn child is filled with the Holy Spirit right now? We certainly did when our children were in utero. And we now pray that prayer every morning for our little granddaughter that is due uh, in November. Mm. So some really important things to uh, to keep in mind. All right, uh, we have somebody on the phone. Do we have somebody on the phone? We don't. We don't have anybody on the phone. Okay, so we're just going to have to uh, move on with the show. Wow. Incredible. Slow down and get everything right here this morning. <laughs> Bit of a rough morning. I had a last-minute text message coming through which says, you're not telling the full story of slavery in ancient Israel. Like in the Roman world, there were different categories of slavery. What does the Bible say about those labouring in Solomon's mines? Strangely silent about that, or the fate of those captured in war. 
Okay, so here's the point. Mm. There was a system of slavery that was mandated by God. Mm -hmm. There were systems of slavery that human beings created. Mm. What we're looking at is what was mandated by God, not by what corrupt humans did. Yeah, we're not attributing the success of of good slavery that God had set up to human beings. The history of Israel (laughs) is one where they actually rarely followed, well, maybe not rarely, but... Probably only 50% of the time They often disobeyed. They often disobeyed what the Bible said, Mm -hmm. and the Bible records that as well. Mm -hmm. Because it's history. That's right. Again, a special congratulations to Claudia. We were talking to Claudia on the phone. She was unable to take our phone call because of the uh, environment that she was in at the time, Mm. but uh, she did mention that she had prayed that the right person won the prize Mm -hmm. and that she hoped she was the right person. (laughs) So this is a very special answer to prayer. I like that prayer. Amazing. That's a good prayer to pray when you really want a prize. Mm. It's like, may the right person get it. Please, Lord. And I pray that I'm the right person. Amen. Well, I think your prayer has been answered, Claudia. I think you are the right person. And that uh, you will be tremendously blessed by reading these books, that you'll be drawn closer to Jesus Christ, and Mm. that you will become more like him. As you go through this day, everybody, don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith. And you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's guide uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.